AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. And we're back on Dealing Together, where we help good people who fell for bad deals. First caller? I had to buy three identical sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller, what's your deal? I paid for 20 tanning sessions, but had to use them in a month. Now I'm orange. Ooh, you got burned. Next caller. I traded in my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24+. Plus. Hmm, how's that bad? I got to choose from their best plans. So what went wrong? Oh, nothing went wrong. And you're calling to... To request a song? You want a song. Of course. My choice is yours. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hey, Jorge, do you know what today is? Is it a special day today? Oh my God, I can't believe you forgot. Uh Uh-oh, is it your birthday? Uh, nope. Try again. Is it the anniversary of the Higgs boson? Mm, Closer, it's actually our anniversary. Today is our 200th episode of Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe. 200 episodes? Oh my gosh. It's a lot of physics and a lot of banana jokes. (laughs) It's a whole universe of banana physics. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist, and I know at least 200 things about physics. And I know at least 200 bad jokes about physics. <laughs> I've made 10 to the 200 bad jokes about physics, but our editor has removed most of them. <laughs> and welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. A project we started to explain to you all the amazing and crazy things out there in the universe. All the things we do know, the facts we've learned about the universe, the secret truths that we've revealed, and also the incredible questions, the things that science still has to figure out, the questions that scientists are asking, and the questions that you are asking, the deep mysteries of the universe around us. Because it turns out that there are more than 200 questions you can 
ask about the universe and more than 200 amazing facts to learn and to discover about how this crazy cosmos works. At least that's what we've discovered in doing this podcast. We had no <laughs> idea how long we could keep going on. Yeah, today's a very special episode. It's our 200th episode. What does that make it, Daniel? Is it like a birthday, a broadcast day, a pod day? <laughs> I don't know. But you know, if you look up anniversaries, like, you know, the fifth anniversary is paper and the 10th anniversary is silver or whatever. The 50th anniversary is diamond. There is no culturally acceptable oh. gift for 200th anniversary because nobody's <laughs> ever lasted that long. I think they give you a Nobel Prize if you somehow <laughs> manage to celebrate a 200th anniversary. Maybe it should be the fossil anniversary or something because you've become fossilized. But congratulations, Daniel. 200 episodes. Did you ever think we would get to 200 episodes? No, I thought you'd get sick of talking to me about physics after about 10 or 20. <laughs> no, congratulations to you also. It's been a really fun ride. And thank you to all of our listeners who have listened to us talking about science and joking about bananas and shared your goofy curiosity with us. That's really what's powered us forward. So thanks for listening and thanks for all the feedback and support. Well, I have definitely not gotten tired of listening to Amazing Physics and to listen to you explain it. Um, I feel like I could go another 200 episodes. Let's do it. Well, in honor of our 200th episode, I put out a tweet asking folks what we should do to celebrate our 200th episode. And as usual, I put out some silly suggestions and uh, we did a little Twitter poll. Yeah. And so Daniel asked, what should we do for our 200th episode? And the options were, one, eat 200 bananas. Two, answer 200 questions. Three, do 200 different accents. <laughs> and number four, just shut up and explain. <laughs> That's right. And clearly I was going to do the explaining, but I was hoping that you would do the bananas and the accents. <laughs> Seems a little lopsided, Daniel. <laughs> well, you're the creative one, right? How can I eat bananas and do accents at the same time? Those count as different accents, you know, like Scottish or Scottish with a banana in your mouth sound very different. It was a close poll. It was a close poll. Yes, yeah. exactly. Was it dramatic? Like as you saw the numbers come in? <laughs> um, well, bananas was racing to the lead in the beginning, mm. but eventually people voted for answer 200 questions. Got about 35% with <laughs> Eat 200 bananas in second place. And, you know, in last place was do 200 accents, which I was sort of hoping for. I think we have to trust the wisdom of the crowd here <laughs> and not offend 200 countries. <laughs> we can, There aren't 200 countries to offend. So that would be pretty impressive if we could offend non-existent countries. Yeah. So the top option was answer 200 questions, which when Daniel told me, I said was a little impractical for a 50 minute podcast. That's right. They'd have to be like true or false questions or, you know, yes or no or something, which wouldn't be too satisfying. Right. I started to think if we take five minutes to answer each question, that's a thousand minute episode. <laughs> That's basically the next 200 episodes. <laughs> yeah, basically. We'd be done. <laughs> we, we could celebrate our 400th anniversary next week. Then. Well, this podcast is really accelerating the logarithmic scales. <laughs> we'll be doing our 4,001 in a month. That's right. And I started looking through the list of questions we'd answered over email because I answer hundreds of questions a week from listeners. And there's a lot of common things in there. But then Jorge had a better idea, something else we could do to celebrate our 200th episode. Yeah, so to the on the podcast, We'll be asking 200 questions, but not 
200 number of questions, but a couple of questions about the number 200. That's right, because while the number 10 and the number 100 and therefore the number 200 are really just artifacts of the number of fingers we have and the way the human mind works, it's also an interesting way to ask questions about the universe, to think about like how far away are things or what happened in certain moments of time in the universe. It gives you like a fixed window to examine the universe. So we'll be asking coincidentally two 200 questions here in the podcast. And the first question has to do with what happened at the beginning of the universe. So the question is, what happened in the first 200 microseconds of the universe? And then later on, we'll tackle the another question about with the number 200, which is what can we find within 200 light years of Earth? So a little bit of time and a little bit of space, a little bit of space time, Daniel. <laughs> That's right. What can you find within 200 light years of Earth? Makes me think like, are you looking for your keys? Are they somewhere out there in space? <laughs> I do lose my keys a lot, <laughs> even even in a pandemic where you don't go anywhere. Somehow I manage to lose my keys like every day. Well, we'll see if we can find them. All right, we'll tackle this first question first, which is what happened in the first 200 microseconds of the universe? Now, 200 microseconds, that's like, boy, that's like 0.2 milliseconds. It's not a lot of time, but it turns out a whole lot of stuff happened in the first 200 microseconds of the universe. Basically, everything's been boring ever since. <laughs> well, 200 microseconds, that's, that's shorter than a blink, right? Like a blink is maybe a couple of microseconds, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of milliseconds. Mm -hmm. It's a very small amount of time. Absolutely. Yeah. So a, a lot happened in those first microseconds. Yeah, a lot happened. And one of the most interesting questions really is how you even define like moment zero. If you're going to say, let's take a window mm. of time from the very beginning of the universe to 200 microseconds afterwards. It's interesting to think about like how the universe expands and cools and we'll get into all of that. But then you have to wonder like, where does T equals zero? How do you define that moment? Do we even know that there was a T equals zero? So right. already like anchoring the left side, the early side of that window is very, very difficult. Right. It makes me think like, was there a T minus one or like a, a countdown to the universe? Nobody really knows. And the problem is that we don't think about the history of the universe in that sort of forward way because mm. we don't really have anything to build on. We don't know what was in the beginning or when the beginning was. Usually we think about it sort of in the reverse. We look at the universe now mm -hmm. and we look backwards in time as we look further, further out into space, right? Because remember, the further out in space you look, the older the universe is. Mm -hmm. So we can see how the universe looked a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, a million years ago, a billion years ago, etc. And we can project backwards in time. So we tend to think of the history of the universe sort of from now and running the clock backwards. And we can do it pretty well, you know, back about 13 billion years or so, mm -hmm. but then it gets pretty murky and we have trouble extrapolating back. We don't know if there was a T equals zero, if there was like a T equals question mark or who knows what was happening at the very beginning. Mm, that's interesting. Now, why does the picture get fuzzy beyond if you rewind back to more than a few hundred thousand years from what would might be the beginning of time? Like what what, what actually murks up our view. Well, the reason is that things change. Things get really hot and dense, right? The overall history of the universe is cooling and expanding. Mm -hmm. And so if you run that backwards from now, we have a cold, large universe. You run that backwards, things get hotter and denser. Mm -hmm. And of course, you could just do that naively, like assume that the laws of physics we have learned today from our cold universe still work back then and just run the clock backwards and you get 
infinite density and you call that t equals zero. You could do that, but we don't think that's right. We don't think the laws we have work anymore as things get that hot and dense. Just like, you know, the physics of gases is different from the physics of liquids and the physics of solids. And so things change as you get hotter and denser. And then it becomes difficult to extrapolate because we're reaching into regions that we can't see anymore and we have no experience of. Because there's a moment in the early universe when the universe cooled. It was a hot, dense nastiness. We'll talk about it. And it cooled to a place where light could fly through. It became transparent. And that's the last moment in the early universe that we can actually see. Beyond that, we're just really sort of guessing and extrapolating and using models. Mm -hmm. But those models are very uncertain. We really don't know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the details we'll, we'll talk through today in this episode are really speculative. They're like, maybe it was this and maybe it was that. And under various assumptions, which seem reasonable, but could be totally wrong. You know, maybe this happened. But it's really guesswork. Is it guesswork because we don't know, like our simulations don't, aren't very definitive? Or like the physics of the universe might actually change in those kind of conditions? We don't know how the physics of the universe operates in those very hot and dense environments. You know, we've only experienced it when it's pretty cold and separated. And so we're extrapolating back. Mm. We think we have ideas for how it might work. And we can simulate various ones of them, but we can't necessarily like tell the difference between it's like this or if it's like that and so we just we're extrapolating into the unknown and uh, and that's always very dangerous and delicate now even the concept of, of time equals zero is weird right because i've heard people say that you know like it's it's almost like asking what is more north than the north pole because mm -hmm. once you get to the north pole there's no more north mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and is it the same also that that you know maybe time started at t equals zero and there was no time before that it sounds bonkers to say that right like what, there was no time before that because what does before mean if there was no time mm. right it's it's confusing it's hard to really get these ideas into your head but it's true that some theories of the universe say that space and time were created at some moment and things have expanded and cooled since then and before that point there was no time. There was no space. There was no before that point. Mm. That's really hard to grasp your mind around because your mind lives in that space in that time. It's all you've experienced. And so that's all you can really imagine. It's how you organize your thinking. It's how we think about causality and logic and A happens, then B happens, then C happens. Mm. But it doesn't mean it's the only way the universe can be. And so it's extraordinarily difficult to sort of extrapolate your brain and your thinking into something completely unfamiliar. Right. And so what we do is we have these frameworks like general relativity and quantum mechanics that try to tell us about what might have happened. But those aren't very conclusive either. I guess the North Pole analogy kind of works also in that, you know, like here where we are, you know, if you have like a compass, it, it's pretty clear how to use it. Like, you know, it tells you north and right and south and east and west and you can walk around pretty easy. But if you were like near the North Pole, it might be a little tricky to use a compass, right? Yeah. If you're at the North Pole... You'd be a little disoriented. Yeah. If you're at the North Pole, there is no more north to go, right? You can't go any northier than that. But we don't know if time works that way. It could be that there was stuff before, you know, these early moments, these singularities. There was a whole other universe, perhaps, which came down into a big crunch mm. or something else totally different, some sort of other weird kind of thing, which gave birth to our space and wow. time. 
you know, our entire universe, our space and time could be a bubble of that other pre-universe stuff like decaying into a universe. There could be a whole spectrum of other universes also that were created in the same moment or that could that are still being created now. There could be like, you know, moments of creation happening right now, really far away in this wow. other meta space. It sounds like bonkers speculation because it is uh, mostly wait, because we're so clueless. You mean like now, like as we speak, there could be some time equals zero moments right now for other universes in this universe? Yeah. One idea of how our universe got started is that there was some sort of like pre-universe stuff, some inflaton fields, and that our universe is essentially some random spontaneous decay of that. And that's when our universe began. And that inflaton field is just like expanding and creating and eternally inflating. But all the time, it's parts of it are decaying and starting whole new universes. Mm. There are universes that haven't even gotten started yet and universes that are trillions of years old and None of this is anything we know. It's just mm. like, it's a crazy idea. <laughs> and in a thousand years, people will read about these ideas the way we think about, you know, the Greeks' ideas about air, water, fire, and earth. And we're like, well, that's cute. Totally but, wrong. You know, and it could mm. have been true, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's well-meaning, carefully thought out, totally wrong. Mm. And that could be the way we describe all of our current ideas about what happened wow. at T equals zero and whether T equals zero even makes sense. We could be like cute to future physicists. <laughs> exactly. Cluelessly cute. To future five-year-olds, man. Five-year-olds in a thousand years <laughs> will laugh at our ideas. They'll be like, oh, you're ridiculous. That's silly. Oh, man. Well, a five-year-old already laugh at me, Daniel. So that, that's not going to be new We'll to pretend me. that's on purpose, though. All right. So it seems like, okay, so we can't see that well beyond a few hundred thousand years into the universe. So really asking, like, what happened in the first 200 microseconds is really speculative then. That's right. All you can do is say, like, you know extrapolate backwards from where we are to get hotter and denser and hotter and denser and pretend that you know how to extrapolate back to some point. Mm. Like general relativity says you can extrapolate all the way back to a point of infinite density and temperature. Mm. But, you know, we know that general relativity is probably wrong when it talks about singularities and stuff like that because it ignores important things like quantum mechanics, mm. which tells us that you can't have an infinite amount of stuff in a tiny zero volume point and know all about it. So definitely something wonky happens, but, you know, you can extrapolate sort of naively and say, we'll call this T equals zero and we'll move forward from there. Mm, I see. I see. So we're going to plant the flag and say, this is T equals zero. And then we're going to see what can the universe do to get us to where we are today, kind of. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into that and to the question of what is within 200 light years of Earth. But first, let's take a quick break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bear Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. 
Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Physicists are famously sticklers for detail. And when it comes to the fine print contracts and hidden fees from wireless providers, I've learned that there's always a catch somewhere. So when I heard that the Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, where's the catch? But now I'm convinced... There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online, so they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass all those savings directly to you. So you can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com slash universe that's mintmobile.com slash universe cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe additional taxes fees and restrictions apply see mint mobile for details all right daniel we're celebrating our 200th birthday does that mean that I'm 200 years old and you're 200 years old or we're each 100 years old? <laughs> it means we should have retired 130 years ago. <laughs> I feel like this podcast has aged me 200 years. I feel like I'm 200 light years from where I started. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, so we're, we're talking about the first 200 microseconds of the universe. And so we'll start with time equals zero. What, what happened at time equals zero, Daniel? We don't know. But one idea is that there was a singularity mm-hmm. that, you know, the universe was super hot and super dense. And I think a lot of people imagine this as a single point. They hear singularity, they think a single point. They think one hot, dense spot. Like the entire energy and all the matter of the universe was in a really tiny dot. Mm-hmm. But it's better not to think about it as one place but more to think about it as the density. Because we don't know if the universe is finite or infinite. What? It's possible that when the universe started, it was already infinite. And that this singularity we're talking about was everywhere. Like multiple singularity? Yes. <laughs> like a, yes, precisely. Like a non-singular singularity. Yes, like the singularity refers not to how many of them there were, but the fact that the mm. density becomes infinite. Singularity refers to what happens to the equations, that the equations get infinities in them because the density becomes infinite, Um, not the size of it. And there's, I think, a very common misconception that the Big Bang or pre-Big Bang starts with a dot. And that dot smaller than an atom becomes the entire universe. And because we don't know how big the universe is, it could have been a little blob. It could have been an infinite extent. It's better to think about it in terms of infinite density. Oh, I see. Or like an infinite number of dots. An infinite number of dots, yeah. The thing we do know is that the universe was denser and hotter back then. We don't know how much of it there was. Could have been infinite. Could be finite and loop all around on itself. That's a whole other episode about the size and shape of the universe, which is fascinating. But to think through the history of the universe is mostly to think about the density changing. Okay, and the idea is that, you know, there's no real reason for this to exist. Just somehow the universe... What we know was really dense 
almost like infinitely dense. Yeah, there must have been a reason for it to exist because it does. And we think the universe follows reasons and laws. We just don't know what they are. We can't argue for it. We don't know why there was something instead of nothing and why there was this. And could there have been other things? And, you know, just really shockingly basic questions that we have really no clue about. Okay, so we had this super dense state, almost infinitely dense, maybe everywhere, maybe just one dot. And then what's the next thing that happened? And what happened in the first 10 to the minus, you know, 43 seconds? So the picture you should have in your mind is that we have space and space is really, really hot. Like there's a huge amount of energy, right? The density we're really talking about there is energy density. And if you've been following the podcast, you know that we like to think about space in terms of quantum fields. Every point in space has fields in it the electron fields, the quark fields, the photon fields, etc. Mm -hmm. And particles that we think about today are little blobs of excitations of those fields. Now today, most of those fields are very, very low energy. Most of space is empty and those fields are zero. Mm -hmm. But back then, infinite density really means all those fields are going nuts. They're going crazy. They're oscillating. They're just full of energy. And so instead of thinking about individual particles, it's like having an ocean, right? You don't think about a drop of water when you have an ocean, you can just think about the entire crazy turbulent blob and it's doing all sorts of stuff. So the first 10 to the minus 43 seconds of the universe, we call this the Planck epoch. Everything was hot and dense and these fields were just going crazy. Mm. Now, I have a question though. Sometimes talk about that it's not just like stuff that was crammed in together really tightly. It's also that space itself was smaller, much smaller. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like it's... Both those things, it's like everything was crammed in together and also space was smaller. That's right. There's two kinds of expansion we're going to talk about later. One is the expansion of stuff through space as things spread out into existing space. The other is the expansion of space, that you create more space, that new space itself is created. Mm -hmm. Because remember that space is not just like a backdrop on which things happen. There's a dynamical connection between space and energy. Space curves and bends and expands in response to the mass and energy that's in it. Mm. And then it shapes the motion of that mass and energy. So space and mass and energy are two things that are very tightly coupled and respond to each other. Mm. Okay. So in the first, you know, point zero 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 down to 43 zeros, one seconds, you said that's called the Planck Epoch. Yeah. And back there, we had a bunch of really hot fields. And the thing to think about here is that there are no particles. What? It's, it's like too hot for particles. Like particles just kind of, everything is just crazy. That's right. There are no isolated particles because everything is just too hot and too intense. It's all just energy in these fields that's sloshing around. You know, later on, things will cool down enough for particles to form. But particles are like, you know, when you have a few little isolated blobs of energy in a field. Here we have like an incredible turbulent ocean. So it makes no sense to think about in terms of particles. I mean, technically you could, you could say this field has 10 kajillion particles in it, but it doesn't really make any sense. It's really just energy. It's not discrete packets moving around through space. It's just a huge blob of energy sloshing around in the field. Oh, I see. There's no moment where you're like, oh, there's an electron. It's just that the whole field is just set on fire. Yeah, precisely. You can't follow a drop of water in the ocean, right? Mm. And the other thing to think about is that the fields here behave differently. Just like the way materials on Earth have phases as you cool them or, or heat them up, the physics of them changes completely, right? The same thing happens for fields. They tend to act in different ways at different temperatures, at different energy densities. And this is not like the laws of physics changing. It's just like 
how you can think about it, how you can describe it, the effective, the emergent results of it are very different at different mm. temperatures, just the same way they are for solids. Okay, but can we still use the same equations we have? Like, do our equations still work? We don't think they do. We think the equations that we have now only describe physics sort of at lower temperatures, that they're sort of like the falling out mm. the effective equations for what happens when things are cold. We don't think we have like the fundamental equations. Our equations should be like the low temperature limit of the true equations, which we haven't found yet. Oh, But for I example, see. we think that at very hot temperatures, the early moments, all of the forces acted like one. Gravity, electromagnetism, the weak force and the strong force. We think they're probably all just one force that acted together. What do you mean a force? Don't forces depend on particles too? No, forces are also just fields, right? But we think that there was a single field that represents all those forces, but combined into one. And we think when it was really hot and dense, that they acted together. They all had the same strength and they were all just different components of one mega force, which exists in the mm. universe. Well, I, I think... You just coined the term right there, the megaforce. This <laughs> is like to call it the grand unified theory. I like megaforce better. <laughs> megaforce it is then. <laughs> there you go. All right. So those are the first uh, 10 to the minus 43 seconds. Then what happens? Then things start to cool. Things start to expand a little bit. And the first breaking happens. Here, the force splits into two. Mm. You got gravity on one side. And then all the other forces, electromagnetism, the weak force and the strong force combined still into one single force, which we call electro strong. And so here the temperature has dropped enough that the force has split. It's like cracked. You know, how sometimes when you cool something, mm -hmm. it can freeze or it can crack or it can end up in some weird configuration. Mm -hmm. As the universe cooled, gravity sort of like froze and split off. From the other forces. Interesting. Like inevitably or is it like a random, you know, like in ice, when you freeze ice, you, you sometimes get crystals here or crystals there. Is it random like that or is it like inevitable? You think that the equations were like we were always going to get gravity and these other forces? We don't know. We call it spontaneous symmetry breaking because we think there's a random element in it. And all the forces you'll see as we go through the time, all the forces split off. And we think that those splittings are spontaneous, that they're essentially the result of one little quantum fluctuation, which then gets propagated through the universe. You know, like mm. when everybody sits down at a dinner table, do you drink from the glass to your left or to your right? Well, if one person chooses left, then, you know, everybody around them starts to choose left and it spreads across the whole dinner table, right? right? They could have chosen to drink from the one to their right and then everyone would use that one. So one little fluctuation like that can propagate itself through the whole universe. And we don't know if gravity splitting off was inevitable or at what temperature it should have split off. Uh, we just don't know. We think gravity split off first because it's the weakest force. Mm. And so we think it would take the hottest temperature to combine all the forces together. And then 14 billion years later, everyone's like, is this my glass? Is this your glass? <laughs> That's right. Did you drink from mine? Because I thought I had more <laughs> wine left over. <laughs> yeah. And then people are spitting up, what, it's yours? <laughs> And then it's, uh, it's like back to the Big Bang. All right, so uh, things start to split off and cool down, and then we start to get more forces defined. Mm -hmm. uh, and then what happens next? And then the next thing to split off is the strong force. 
So gravity mm. split off and then the strong force splits off. So now we have gravity, we have the strong force, and we have the electroweak force. Electroweak being the combination of electromagnetism and the weak force. But remember, still, we have no particles. So these things aren't like forces we think of today that are bouncing particles around. It's just the fields now have different properties. They operate differently. They contain energy differently. Oh, they have different strengths as the universe is cooling. So gravity split off, but it's not like bringing anything together because there is no thing. Well, gravity is doing what gravity does. It's, you know, the bending of space. But, you know, even talking about merging gravity with these other forces requires a conceptual leap that we haven't made yet, which is thinking about gravity as a quantum field which we don't know how to do, especially in the early universe. So we are really out on very thin ice here conceptually. We're like, maybe if gravity can be unified with the other forces, then it was the first thing to split off of some mega force which might exist. Right? I can't emphasize enough how much we're speculating cluelessly here. Okay, right, right. If gravity is a quantum field, this is kind of what we might expect. Happens. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. But it's not like we have a firm prediction that we can like interrogate and explore. It's just like, hopefully somebody clever comes along and figures out how to make gravity a quantum field. And maybe it would wow. work like this. All right. So now that we split off the strong force. Now we have more forces. And then something dramatic happens at around 10 to the minus 32 seconds, right? Yeah. Here's where the excitement really happens. And we don't know why, but we think at this point, for some reason, the universe started to expand extraordinarily rapidly, mm. like space itself expanded, not just stuff flying through space, sloshing around, but space itself got stretched. Remember that space can expand based on the mass that's in it. Like we know that space is expanding right now in the current universe is something called dark energy, which is creating new space, not just pulling on space, not pushing things further apart through space, but actually like adding new bits of space between galaxies. Wow. So that can definitely happen. And we know that it did happen in the very early Which universe. Which created more space. The universe just started just created at, more at space. a crazy rate, right? This is, the, kind of, this is kind of the bang in the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, this is sort of the, the bang in the Big Bang Theory. I mean, originally people thought of the Big Bang as like a dot and things explode through space. These days we have this period we're talking about now, which we call inflation. And then we think of the hot Big Bang as basically at the very end of inflation. But, you know, the terms are a little fuzzy. But essentially here you have the biggest bang. I mean, the universe expands by a ridiculous amount. It's 10 to the 78. 10? 10, 10 to the 78. One with 78 one zeros. One with 78 zeros. So you take a piece of space that's like a nanometer across mm. and very, very quickly in like 10 to the minus 32 seconds, you expand it to 100 trillion kilometers. That's crazy. So in 10 to the minus 32, like 0. 0.000, 32 zeros one seconds, the universe for some reason just was like, I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. And we, Growth spurt. And we don't know why. We, we have like, you know, given fancy names to this theory to make it sound like it's a thing we know how to deal with. We call it the inflation theory. We think maybe it was generated by the inflaton field. But that's really just like saying, oh, you know, the answer is a fluctuation in my cluelessness field. Like, I really just don't know. I'm going <laughs> to force this into the framework of ideas so it sounds clever. Right, they reached 200 episodes, um, so they're like, oh, they blew up. <laughs> And it could be, you know, that it's triggered by the electroweak breaking, that like maybe breaking off the strong force from the electroweak force created the inflaton field or settled the inflaton field into a way that made it do this crazy expansion. But this is guessing upon oh, guessing. Oh, I see. Huh. We are very confident that inflation happened. 
I mean, the things that it predicts are very specific and very concrete. You know, like before inflation, the universe is very hot and dense, but not totally uniform because it's quantum mechanical. And so you get some spots that have like little quantum fluctuations of a little bit more density and quantum fluctuations, a little bit less density, really, really tiny variations. But then this inflation, this stretching turns those little seeds of over densities into big structures, which then form the structure of the universe. And we can do all those simulations and it describes very well what we see today. Interesting. And I guess one question is, where did all the space come from? Like when you make space, does it require energy? Yeah, we don't really know. I mean, we know that the universe is not closed. And so an energy conservation is not required by general relativity. Oh, to make space, you don't need energy, maybe. Well, you know, space is energy. Like space has energy in it. When you create space, it has all these fields and those fields have energy in them. And so when you create space, it's like creating energy. So it's not something that we understand. It's not something we know how to do or that we understand the rules about. We see it happening in our current universe. We don't understand the mechanism behind it. We call it dark energy because we're clueless. We know that it happened in the very early universe. Maybe it's the same mechanism. Maybe it's something totally different. We really just don't know. All right. So now we're getting almost to the 200 microsecond mark. So let's finish off. What happens in the first 200 microseconds? And then we'll go on to our next question. But first, let's take a quick break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready to bring some spring vibes indoors? Bare Premium Plus Paint is here to make it happen. And it's starting at only $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Picture your kitchen coming to life by adding a pop of blue with the bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake. And let's not forget your living room. Picture it drenched in the lush, verdant tones of Amazon jungle, breathing new life into your space with every glance. Head into your bathroom and let the cool breeze of sea glass wash away all your stress. And when the morning sun peeks through your bedroom window, feel the warmth and comfort of a spring sunrise with shades like coral cloud and dark crimson. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with a durable finish that resists dirt and grime to last all season. And let your creativity bloom with Bare Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. How do you feel about eating plastic? If you went to a restaurant and saw plastic on the menu, would you order it? Well, turns out that we're all eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every week. Yep, that's right. The products we're using every day are ultimately contaminating our water supply, generating hundreds of microplastics that we end up ingesting. Yuck. Well, what can we do about it? Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's not complicated. Refillable cleaning products without sacrificing on design. Their products have a beautiful, cohesive style that looks great on your counter. My family got the sampler pack and it already smelled great when we opened the box. Everything works super well, stuff gets really clean and it's all super easy to use. 
So it's no extra hassle in our lives, and we feel great knowing we're generating less plastic waste. Blueland has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash universe. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash universe for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash universe to get 15% off. All right, Daniel, we just exploded the universe. <laughs> we just went through inflation in the first 10 to the minus 32 seconds. One nanometer became 100 trillion kilometers. Now things are expanding like crazy. Quantum fluctuations make a huge difference. Now what happens? Now we finally get particles. Things have cooled down enough that the energy that's in the field is distinct and discretized and you can follow it around. You can say, oh, this little blob of energy in the electron field is moving through space in a coherent way. You can call this an electron. And the same for the other fields. And so you start to get particles made and you get the last moment of breaking that we're aware of. The electroweak force, which at the time was just one force. You know, there wasn't like a separate photon and W and Z bosons acting separately, it was a single force with four of its own bosons. This field now breaks and it breaks into electromagnetism mm. and the weak force. It becomes two forces, kind of. It becomes two forces that are still closely connected. I mean, they're two broken pieces of a larger force. You can sort of like fit them together roughly the way you can fit continents together. Mm. You know, like you can think of the mega continent breaks into little continents and now they're a little different, but the contours sort of match. And so you can think about their history. Mm. Right? And this is another example of spontaneous symmetry breaking. The Higgs field gives the photon no mass and it gives the W's and Z's a lot of mass. So all of a sudden, the weak force becomes really, really weak. Interesting. And so then that's what kind of gives rise to the Higgs field, which is the one that gives mass to everything? Yeah, so the Higgs field, like all the other fields, started out really hot. It was cooling down and cooling down. And most of the other fields, they like settled down to zero. But the Higgs field got stuck. Mm. It got stuck at a certain point where it couldn't go any lower because it has a really weird shape to it. It's like, you know, on the edge of a canyon wall, it's got a little like dip in it. So you can get stuck in a little right. like on a precipice. Like a little buzz, yeah. right? And it got stuck there. And because it got stuck there and not somewhere else, it gave mass to the W's and Z's, but not the photon, and also to the other particles. Wow. So all the other particles, their mass then gets fixed because the Higgs field got stuck at this value. Wow. And before, so before that, we didn't have mass or we just didn't have like consistent mass? Or it, it, you can't even talk about mass? It's harder to talk about mass before the particles really are like separate identifiable spots. But the mass of the particles depends on the energy of the Higgs field. So as the universe is cooling down and the Higgs field is cooling down, you can think of it as like the masses of the particles are decreasing because the Higgs field is cooling down. Mm. All right. So now all of our forces are in motion now. They're in play. And particles now exist, which is crazy to think about that we didn't have particles before. Yeah. 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 And now they have mass or they interact with the Higgs field. And, it's, and so is that then kind of, is that it? Like, is it a straight line from there to here? Or are there this still things we don't know? There are a lot of things we don't know, but it's basically a straight line. I mean, now you have particles and the interactions in place are the ones we're familiar with. There's electromagnetic fields, the weak force, the strong force, there's gravity. But, you know, it's still pretty hard to understand. Like, it's a hot, dense, nasty mess. Like, it's mostly quarks and leptons, but they're too hot to form any larger particles. Like, you don't have protons and neutrons and stuff like that, which are bound states of quarks. Uh, everything's just quarks. Quarks and 
yeah, fundamental just particles. flying around, annihilating each other constantly, turning into photons, turning back into particles. It's still hot and dense. And then things are cooling off. So like, you know, about after one microsecond, uh, you get this quark gluon plasma, things start to cool off. And then you get things like protons and neutrons and whatever. And there's a really interesting mystery there about like, what happened to all the antimatter? Mm. If everything was symmetric, you would expect the fields to create like as much matter and antimatter and should all annihilate into a universe filled with light. Wow. But instead, there was some asymmetry there. We ended up with like a little bit more matter than antimatter. Most of it is gone, but a little bit of matter was left. And that's what led in a straight line to where we are wow. today. I think the lesson here is a lot happened in the first 200 microseconds. <laughs> We missed the big party. <laughs> I just feel like we went through an hour of just to cover 200 microseconds. That's amazing. So a lot happened, right? And a lot could have happened. Yeah, the history of the universe has been pretty boring ever since. Mm. You know, like most of the excitement was in the first few tiny slices of time. And ever since then, it's been pretty slow. Wow. But, you know, think about it like on the cosmic timescale, like trillions and quadrillions of years. It could be that you know, intelligent species in septillion years. Think about the first few billion years of the universe as like, you know, the first moments Ooh. because, you know, it could be that the universe is very different in a trillion years, that it's all just black holes separated by vast distances or something else forms, you know. There's so many fascinating emergent phenomena that are really hard to anticipate. Right. And so who knows? Uh, who yeah. knows? Maybe the, this will seem exciting to people who come much, much later. Yeah, I'm sure they'll say like, you know, that day where they published the 200th episode of Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, that's <laughs> T equals zero to us. That's when, right. that's when the party really started. <laughs> Before then, it's not even really worth living. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think the answer is a lot happened in the first 200 microseconds of the universe, which is amazing. All right. We have one more question here. I think we might have to talk about it in 200 microseconds, Daniel. <laughs> but uh, the question is pretty interesting. It's something I thought about as we try to brainstorm ideas for this episode. But the question is, what can we find within 200 light years of Earth? So uh, I guess, first of all, how much is 200 light years? Like a, a few bazillion kilometers? Yeah, a light year is really far. Okay, So a light year is like 9.5 times 10 to the 12th kilometers. Mm. That's why we use light years, because the distances in the universe are so vast that kilometers become an absurd unit. I see. So it's like 200 million million kilometers. So if you could hop in a spaceship and go 200 million million kilometers, where could we go visit? Yeah, so mostly the universe is empty. You know, you pick a random spot outside the solar system <laughs> right, was... and you go in a straight line, you'll see nothing mm. for 200 light years. Like, there's just not much there. The universe is not very dense anymore. And, you know, I read these science fiction novels about people flying through space and like hitting asteroid fields and bumping into stars. And I'm like, it's just not that much stuff out there. Not likely. No, it's like swimming in the ocean. How often do you really encounter a desert island? Like really not that often. Oh, I see. That's a good analogy. Like if you were in the middle of the ocean and you went a few hundred kilometers, you know, what are the chances that you'll hit another island? Pretty small. Yep. Pretty small. It's mostly just ocean out there. Mm. But there are things out there. And mostly within 200 light years of Earth, there are a bunch of stars. Okay. But, you know, not that close. Like the closest star, really, once you leave our solar system, the closest thing that you can find to our solar system is a star called Proxima Centauri. It's about 4.2 light years away. Mm. Isn't that the name of an Avengers villain? <laughs> I feel like 
I've heard that name before. Are you auditioning to be in the next Marvel movie? That's what's happening here? <laughs> to, to be the voiceover. Yeah. I think Proxima Centauri, the Marvel villain, can do 200 accents. So if you really want to audition, then we got to hear some accents. <laughs> With bananas, yeah. All right, so that's the nearest star. I guess, how, how many stars can we find within 200 light years? Do you know? Surprisingly, you can find a lot of stars. Now, on one hand, stars are not very dense. I mean, in our galactic neighborhood, there's about one star per 250 cubic light years. Mm. But as the radius of your sphere grows, the volume of it goes up very quickly. It goes up with radius cubed. So a sphere with radius 200 light years has a lot of cubic light years, like 30 million. Mm. If you go out to about 200 light years, there's something like, you know, tens of thousands or maybe 100,000 stars in that volume. Really? Yeah. I could visit 100,000 stars within 200 light years. Yes. But, you know, if you traveled in a straight line 200 light years, you would probably find very small number of stars. If you completely visited a sphere with radius 200 light years, oh, then I yes, see. there'd be 100,000 oh. stars there. But, you know, like the, the list of destinations I can go... Is it's like a hundred thousand stars? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of options. I mean, if you like decisions and you like choices, then there's a lot of options. <laughs> Most of them are pretty far away. I mean, the vast majority of those hundred thousand are in a thin shell on the outside of, of that sphere, mostly because that's where most of the volume is. But they say that, you know, about one in five star has an Earth-like planet. So we're talking about like there's 20,000 Earth-like planets I could visit. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of Earth-like planets. And we think that most of those solar systems have planets, like multiple planets, which is fascinating. We don't know a lot about like what those solar systems look like and how often do you get big gas giants and rocky inner worlds and is our solar system unusual or totally typical? Something that is unusual about our solar system that you'll discover as you look around in the solar system is how many solar systems have multiple stars. Mm. Like in the closest 15 light years, there's like 50 something stars. And about half of them are single stars, just like a star with planets around it. But there's like 10 of them that are binary systems, like two stars orbiting each other and then planets around those. Wow, that's common. That's common. And even within 15 light years, there are four systems that are trinary systems that have three stars in orbit around each other. Oh, that's pretty cool. So in Star Wars, when Luke is looking out at the two suns on the horizon, that's like maybe more common than you think. That's not rare. It's a lot more common than you think. And if you think about how things form, you start from a big cloud and things coalesce. And so it's not necessary for it to all coalesce into one really big blob in the center of a solar system. If you have like a little bit of density here and a little bit of density there, it can form two. Or if two stars form close enough to each other, they'll pull on each other and form one of these systems. Some listeners sent me an awesome question recently. He said, are there any stars out there that have sort of two planetary disks, like one planetary disk aligned in one way and then a second one aligned, you know, at an angle to it? Mm, like two hula hoops. Kind of. Yeah, like two hula hoops. And I don't know of one, but there's no reason to think there couldn't be. Like if you had two solar mm. systems that sort of merged and the stars combined in the center or you get a binary star system in the center, they could keep each of their planetary disks and it would be at different uh -huh. angles. And so that could totally happen. I think that would be an awesome setting for a science fiction. Novel. Right. But every year you go around the sun, you'd be like, watch out for those other, those other planets. It'd be a, some drama <laughs> every year. Yeah, it would have to work like clockwork, but it might make for some pretty cool nighttime observations. All right, cool. So there's uh, about 100,000 stars within 200 light years. What else can we find in this bubble? Well, that's mostly it. I mean, in the galaxy, we have stars, of course. We have gas clouds. 
which are the birthplace of stars, but there aren't any of those within 200 light years. Like the closest one is about 400 and something light years away. It's called Taurus mm -hmm. and it's where stars are being born. There are stars in there that are like one or two million years old, but we don't have any of those big blobs inside our like 200 light year window. Oh, I see. Because oh. like a, a cluster itself is pretty big. It's almost as big as 200 light years. Yeah, some of these gas clouds are, are hundreds of light years across. Uh, they're really vast. It's like the birthing regions of stars. Mm. But there is a cluster of stars. Like there's a big major cluster of stars. It's called the Hyades Cluster. And it's about 150 light years away. It's like 600 something million years old. And it's just like a big blob of stars that are all together. It probably comes from a really dense region of, of gas and molecules that got formed early on. And so that's like a big blob of stars. Oh, I see. Oh, wow. That must be pretty amazing to go near or to visit there. Yeah. And, you know, if you're looking to visit a lot of stars and a lot of planets at once, it's probably a good destination. On the other hand, it's 150 mm. light years away. So it's going <laughs> to take you a while to get there. Well, I think this kind of tells you how big the, the universe is. You know, 200 light years, like that's even like if we prolong human life and double it and was able to go at the speed of light, that's as far as like any one person could probably go without any kind of special war speed or wormhole, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, the thing that's furthest away, the human device that's furthest away from the solar system right now is Voyager 1. It's traveling at 61,000 kilometers per hour. And if it kept going, it would take another 70,000 years to reach the nearest star. Like these distances are just incredible. Wow. Yeah. And it's already 18 billion kilometers away from us. But that's just like a tiny fraction of the distance to Proxima Centauri. I see. 70,000 years. That's like, what, 300,000 more episodes, Daniel? <laughs> I got all those ideas, yeah. <laughs> I've sketched them out already. <laughs> <laughs> you, you like to work ahead. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you think about the larger context, you know, of our galaxy, our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. So a bubble 200 light years is really a tiny neighborhood. Wow. You know, the sun itself is just like, is 20-something thousand light years from the center of the galaxy. Wow. So even like the most we might right now could imagine traveling to for a single human is, uh, is a drop in the bucket of the size of our galaxy. Yeah, if you were looking at a map of the galaxy, you wouldn't even notice that distance, right? Wow. All right. Well, I feel like we covered a lot in the first 200 seconds of this podcast. And uh, we also got this kind of amazing view of how big the galaxy is and space is and how empty it is. It's incredible how dense and hot the universe used to be and how big and cold it is today. And yet it's still filled with mystery and our whole concept of the universe, yeah. where it came from, how it began, what it looks like now, what's out there could be totally rocked by discoveries that are coming. Discoveries made by scientists working today or by somebody out there listening to this podcast right now that's thinking, hey, maybe I could crack one of the biggest questions in the universe because, you know, you could. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll cover it here in our 10,000th episode. <laughs> That's right. And so I want to say a personal thank you to all the fans and listeners for tuning into all these episodes, for sending us supportive messages, for letting us know that you're enjoying what you're hearing and for sharing with us all of your wonder and your curiosity and for going on this crazy journey with us. Absolutely. We wouldn't be doing this without you. And thanks also for letting all your friends know and all your contacts know, because the more people that are listening, the more episodes we can make. All right. Well, thanks again for helping us celebrate our 200th episode. We hope you enjoyed that. 
See you next time. Thanks for listening. And remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.